My name is Ben. I'm the pastoral intern here. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and I'm afraid I have to confess my first pastoral intern blunder. At least I hope it's my first one. Uh, I sent the wrong file for our handout this morning. Uh, So you'll notice that we have no handout. It's because it was for my last sermon from James 5 that I preached uh, three months ago. So... Yeah, I could do it again, but uh, I don't think the uh, pastors would be happy with that. So I'm sorry about that. I do have a couple slides that will go up behind me to help you sort of follow along as we go, but I do apologize about the lack of a handout this morning. Uh, I want to quickly thank the church for sending uh, the pastoral staff to General Assembly this week. On a kind of a personal note, it was my first General Assembly, and so I learned a lot just from observing what it means to be a voting teaching elder and commissioner there, and so thank you very much. Uh, for sending us. And then, uh, you know, today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of our dads who are here. We're glad that you're here. Hope you have a great day. Uh, I realized this past week that uh, Dr. Dave had assigned me the pastoral prayer and liturgy on Mother's Day, and now he's having me preach a sermon on the Fifth Commandment on Father's Day, so it's become abundantly clear to me that one of his closet goals for my internship is to make sure I offend somebody before I leave. Um, (laughs) My hope is that doesn't happen today, but, you know, uh, there it is. So our sermon this morning, we're jumping ahead to sort of find a fitting text for Father's Day, and that is the fifth commandment from Exodus chapter 20. The verse 12, it's on the screen behind me. I actually want to read the preface again for us. I think it's important for us to be reminded of the preface, and so we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'll read verse 12, and we'll get into it. So please give uh, the reading of God's word your careful attention. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Father, We thank you for your word and the privilege we have of sitting under your word this morning together. I ask that you would humble us and teach us more of what it means to honor our parents as we should, and therefore more of what it means to honor you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, I confess this morning that I am feeling a little bit distracted and scattered, and so I ask that you would give me a clear mind and clear heart and clear speech for our time together this morning. We pray this now in Christ's name, amen. Well, a couple things as I was preparing this sermon uh, to give this morning, a couple things I realized that maybe make this commandment a little bit unique from the others. The first thing is this. Uh, You'll notice that the commandment, well, this verse, it doesn't just contain a commandment, but it also has a promise attached to it. And as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, which we'll get to in a moment, he says this is the first commandment with a promise. And so when we study the verse this morning, we can't just leave it at the commandment, but we have to understand what the promise is there for as well. But there's something else that I think makes studying this commandment unique. You know, I think for some of us here, we we might regard this commandment as the easiest one for us to keep. And others of us think of this commandment as the hardest one for us to keep. We all struggle, I think, somewhat equally with the other nine commandments, if we're being honest. You know, we all have idols. 
We all have hate in our hearts or lust, covet, greed. But when we come to this commandment, it's a little bit unique. Because I think some of us here, we come at this and we say, aha, finally, a commandment I can check off. I have a great relationship with my parents. I've never questioned this commandment at all. I got this one down. Check. Others of you, at the mere reading of the words father and mother, already have a deep pit in your stomach as if the wind has been knocked out of you. And you already have all kinds of negative thoughts and emotions that are conjured up. And so we're all coming at this commandment from a different place. And if that's you, if that latter person is you this morning, I want to ask you just to bear with me. Uh, I promise I haven't forgotten about you as we're studying this commandment. Um, but I need to lay a foundation for us first that we can build off of. And so please just bear with me. Don't tune me out right away. And I promise uh, we'll get to you. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about what makes this commandment particularly difficult. Is that fair? All right. Well, let's jump in. I want to unpack this principle for us, or sorry, this commandment for us this morning in three points. And those three points are the principle, the promise, and the power in the promise. The principle, the promise, and the power in the promise. So let's jump in to this first point. I want to spend some time focusing on the principle that we find here in this commandment. You know, what is specifically forbidden and what is required, as we read in the shorter catechism earlier this morning. Sort of the Judeo-Christian tradition and really the Reformed tradition specifically has interpreted this commandment broadly to refer not only to our relationships with parents, but also to those who are in positions that are superior, inferior, or equal to us, as we read this morning. That means relationships in the workplace or in government or in the church. But this morning for our time together, I want to sort of stay on target, hit the center of the nail on the head, and really focus specifically on relationships between parent and child. You will be able to apply some of these principles that we talk about to those other relationships, but I want to focus on this one specifically. And so I believe I have the principle up behind me that we're going to unpack together this morning. Let me just read this uh, for us together. The fifth commandment requires us to have a disposition of obedience toward our parents. If we must disagree, then we do so with patience and respect. And all of this is done out of a posture of love and faithfulness. Let me say that one more time. The fifth commandment requires us to have a disposition of obedience toward our parents. If we must disagree, then we do so with patience and respect. And all of this is done out of a posture of love and faithfulness. So, let's unpack this. What do we do with the word honor? Honor your father and your mother. In the Hebrew, the word for honor, kabod, is the same word that we use for the basic meaning of being heavy. So someone who is to be honored is someone of weight, someone of value. And they deserve some of this kabod that is normally ascribed to God alone. We have to be careful here not to let our cultural blinders impact how we interpret this word. Most of us here in this room come from a 
middle-class Anglo background. Most of us, not all of us. And I suspect, if you're like me then, that your temptation is to sort of dismiss the authority of this word. Honor your father and mother. Well, you know, honor doesn't always mean obey. True-ish. But you know, if you're from the Korean-American context, honor most certainly always means obey. In fact, in most parts of the world today, honor means obey. So what do we do with this word? Well, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I think Ephesians chapter 6 is the probably most helpful place for us to turn in order to understand the authority of this commandment for the New Testament church. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this for us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So, Paul, speaking to the children of the New Testament church, says, children, obey your parents. And as scriptural support for that command, he cites the fifth commandment. So in Paul's letter, he nearly equates honoring with obedience. Now, of course, we can say there is an underlying assumption, whether it's the book of Exodus or in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that the parents being spoken of here are parents who are raising their children to be faithful in the Lord, to love their God and love their neighbor, who are seeking to be faithful to the Shema. Yet this commandment doesn't come with an escape clause, does it? It doesn't say, obey your parents or honor your father and mother unless they're Christians or unless they're not Christians. It doesn't say that. So I think the application for us, for many of us, is are we giving this word honor the weight that it's due? Or are we someone who is quick to dismiss it? Children, all of us are children. As you seek to honor your parents, obey them, for this is right. Now, kind of the second part of this principle that I put on the screen for us a moment ago. Of course, there are going to be times where disagreement arises between parent and child. Of course, I think the most obvious example for us is when a parent is instructing us to sin. In Matthew 10.37, you don't have to flip there, but in Matthew 10.37, Jesus says that if you love your, your father or mother more than you love him, then you aren't worthy of him. And I think it's fair to say that if we obey our parents in sin, then we love, we're loving our parents more than we love the Lord. And so this is a clean-cut example. If our parents are instructing us to sin, then we have scriptural warrant not to obey them in sin. But most of life isn't clean-cut, is it? 
most of life doesn't come down to morally righteous or unrighteous decisions. Most of life comes down to wisdom and best judgment. So how do we disagree with our parents on matters of wisdom or best judgment? All we can really do, I think, is to follow our sanctified common sense from Scripture. And so following the general course of instruction laid out for us, I think we can safely say that if and when disagreement arises between parent and child, it should be carried out with patience and respect. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 2. Again, I'm sorry, it's not in a handout and it didn't make it up on the screen. You can write this down or flip to it if you want. But in 1 Kings chapter 2, I want to read verse 19 for us. We see a scene here in King Solomon's court where his mother, Bathsheba, approaches him. So let me just read verse 19 here for us. So Bathsheba, being Solomon's mother, she went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her, and he bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne, and he had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. I think this is a rather astonishing verse. King Solomon, king of Israel, who is in many ways superior to his mother as the God-appointed king of Israel, politically and royally superior to his mother, he gets up in front of his court, his inner circle, and he bows to her, to her and seats her at his right hand. One could say that he takes off his crown in her presence and recognizes who she is in his life. We can only assume that Bathsheba and Solomon had all kinds of disagreements in their life, not least of which about some of Solomon's actions and the way he was ruling the kingdom. And yet, look at the way he respects and honors his mother. When we disagree with our parents, I think our instinct needs to be to assume, to assume that they have more experience and wisdom than us. We should respect their views, even if we ultimately end up disagreeing with them. We should show them patience to consider and meditate on their advice and their judgment. As those who have this authority in our life, as those who gave us life, to give them that respect that they are due. Now, whether we obey or respectfully disagree with our parents, the primary motivation from our heart should be a posture of love and faithfulness toward them. I think it's fair to say that parental love for children and children for their parents is a universal truth. There's only in the most extreme examples of corrupt hearts where this universal love is disrupted. What does it look like for us to have a posture of love toward our parents? 
There's another beautiful passage that I want to read for us from the life of Jesus. In fact, it comes from the end of his life in John 19. In John 19 at the crucifixion. And in this moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross, he shows us what it looks like to have a deep and honoring love for our parents. And so John 19, verses 26 through 27. Again, you can write this down or flip to it. John 19, verses 26 through 27. Let me read this here for us. Jesus hanging on the cross, when he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I really love this scene. The darkest hour of human history, that moment where heaven and hell hung in the balance, where the cosmos cried out in agony because they looked upon their savior, their creator in such torment. The sun which darkened and turned its back because it couldn't stand to look upon its source of light in such pain. And in this moment, our Savior loved his mother and made sure that she would be cared for after he was gone. A deep love and tenderness is what he showed to his mother in that moment. And it serves as an example for us of what it means to sacrificially and deeply love our parents, even in the most difficult of circumstances. I want to share with you an example uh, where all of this sort of came to uh, a real practical moment for me. Recently, I was talking to a friend uh, who's from Nigeria, and his wife is from the country of Togo, which is another country in Africa. And he was telling me about what it looked like for him to walk through the process of engagement and marriage with his now wife. You see, historically, Nigeria and Togo don't historically get along. And so when he went to his now wife's parents to ask for their permission in marriage, they said no. But there wasn't, the reason wasn't because he wasn't a godly enough man or because he wasn't somehow qualified to be her husband but it was because he was Nigerian. And so, that was obviously hard for him to hear. And when they said no, he said, okay, well, I will take time to consider what you have to say. I will get counsel. I will get advice. But I respect you as this woman's parents. And so he went, and he was asking for advice from Christians in his church and from his pastor and from elders. Well, his now wife parents didn't make this easy on him because during the same time they were going to their daughter and saying things like if you marry this man you will be cursed and you will never bear children well I asked him brother what did it look like for you to honor her parents when they were obviously so deeply sinning against you in this way I said well you know i showed them honor and respect by asking their for permission. 
and then I sought counsel and advice of pastors. You know, her parents weren't Christian. Um, so he got advice from his Christian community and from his pastors. And ultimately we decided that they were sinning. And we did not need to accept their advice or their judgment. And so we went ahead and we got married. But he didn't react on impulse. You see how he gave them a season of being patient and respect towards them, even though they were sinning against him. And now, as they are married, although it's difficult, he seeks to always go above and beyond to show them love and kindness. So again, I ask you, where are you at with this? Are you dismissing the authority of this commandment in your life? Or are you giving this commandment the authority that it is due? Honor your father and your mother. Well, if that's the first half of the verse, this takes us to the second half. We have to deal with this promise now that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You know, something that struck me when I was preparing this sermon and I was flipping through the commentaries and one after one, I found that nobody really addressed this part of the verse. And I went looking book after book and commentator after commentator and scholar after scholar and everyone just sort of glossed over it. Everyone unpacked, you know, their opinions on what it looked like to honor parents and to show respect in different circumstances and 30 pages of that and zero pages on this part of the verse. I thought that was odd because this is such an important part, not only of this commandment, but of the Ten Commandments as a whole. And in fact, as we're going to see, it's so important for the Christian life. So what's going on in this promise that your days may be long in the land? I think at first glance, our temptation is to look at this and say, oh, well, you know, it's talking about sort of general life advice, general wisdom. You know, generally speaking, if we obey our parents, things will go well for us. Generally speaking, if you don't run out into traffic with scissors, things will go well for you. (laughs) That's true. But we must remember that this isn't wisdom literature. This isn't a proverb. This is a commandment with a conditional promise attached to it. So what's going on here? Well, we need to remember the Ten Commandments were not given for the sole purpose of personal piety and personal obedience. Of course, we obey the Ten Commandments personally, but only as we serve in our part in the greater whole, as part of God's community, as part of the family of God. And so the promise here isn't for individuals as such, but it's a promise for the whole community of God's people, for the family of God. And the promise tells us what kind of people, what kind of community belong in God's kingdom. The kind of people who belong in God's kingdom are those who know the grace they've received, the kind of people who know the grace they've received to be freed from Egypt and from their bondage to slavery and now live lives of gracious obedience toward one another. The baseline for that obedience in a community is whether or not a people is able to honor their parents as they should. As this is the most foundational relationship in society, the baseline for our loving our neighbor, 
for loving one another starts in our family. It starts with our parents. In other words, if you're not able to honor and love your parents, have you really come to understand the grace you've received from God and honoring him as such? If you're not able to honor those who have given you life, do you really know what it means to honor your heavenly father who has given you eternal life? And so God makes this promise. Honor your father and mother, obey the commandments, love your God and your neighbor, and your days will be long in the land which I am giving you. For Israel, that meant the promised land. Obviously, we know their days were not long in the land. How will God know if we are loving our neighbor? He's going to look at how we love our parents. It begins there. Now, this raises a bit of a problem for many of us. As I said at the beginning of my sermon this morning, I recognize that not all of us are coming at this commandment from the same place. Let me be clear, I don't think obedience to the Ten Commandments is easy for any of us. All of us struggle with indwelling sin, and indwelling sin is always an obstacle for all of us for obedience. And yet, I do believe there are many people in this room who are coming at this commandment from unique and painful and difficult places. How do we honor parents that in almost every way are dishonorable? How do we honor parents that have only brought us pain and abuse and neglect and other deep sorrows? Is there hope for us to find freedom to honor and love our parents as we should? That takes us to our last point, the power in the promise or the grace in the promise. But first, I tell you a story. It wouldn't be Father's Day without a dad story. And I want to tell you my favorite dad story this morning. When I was a child, probably about six or seven, I was at a soccer camp. Um, at this soccer camp, I, there was some sort of competition this day, and I won first place in the competition, which still comes as quite of a shock to me because in my seven or eight years of playing soccer, I only ever scored one goal, and that was on accident. So no idea how I won this competition, but... I won the competition, and there were prizes for first and second place in the competition. And so I won first, and this other young boy won second place. I don't remember this other young boy's name, and so for the sake of just making the story easier, uh, first name that popped into my head, let's just call him uh, Little Dave Nilversale. Does that work? So little Dave, uh, he won second place, and I won first place. And so we walked over to the coach's car to get our prizes, and the prizes were um, 
Maybe if you remember growing up playing soccer, you know, late 80s, early 90s, or you took your kids to play soccer, then you remember these things called, uh, I think they were either called soccer pals or soccer buddies. And they were these handles with a rope attached to it and a net at the end to hold the soccer ball. So you could hold on to it and practice your juggling skills, you know, while the ball doesn't fly everywhere. So we went to the coach's car, and there were two soccer buddies to pick from. There was a neon green one and a neon orange one. Well, I got first pick, so I picked neon green. Little Dave picked neon orange, and the coach got in his car, and he drove away as it was the end of practice. Well, little Dave was not happy that he received neon orange. And so he turned to me and just started yelling at me, and in that moment, I could see him swelling up as if he was getting ready to strike. Now, pause. Matrix moment here, slow motion. Two things happened inside of me in that moment. The first was all of my trained adrenaline and reflexes kicked in from watching Saturday morning Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the second was all of my, you know, excellent training of six months of children's Taekwondo kicked in. And so time back in, time speeds up, and this kid starts hitting me, but not with his fists, with his cleats. And he starts coming at me, kick, 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 and all I can do is think, ah, low block, low block, low block, and I'm backing up trying to protect myself from this kid's kicks. I had no idea what to do. And then enter from behind me my dad. (laughs) Ah, it was marvelous. He comes in out of nowhere, and he jumps in front of me and this kid, and he hovers over him almost like Batman in this deep, low growl, and he says, don't you ever touch my son again. And this kid just falls backwards, trembling. It was excellent. And I was just glowing for weeks. I loved to tell people, look at what my dad did for me. He protected me and he stood up for me, my hero, you know? I love my dad. And I want to honor my dad as best as I can. But I tell you, it hasn't always been easy. The entirety of my senior year in college, my dad and I neither saw each other nor spoke. And for the next four or five years after that, we rarely saw each other or spoke. And as I was going through college, as I was getting older, I held on to this anger and this bitterness toward my family. And I said, I don't need family. And you know what? I'm not going to be anything like my father was. See, here's the rub. So many of us who have been sinned against by our parents are stuck in a vicious cycle, spending our whole lives being consumed by the pursuit of somehow being better than the parents who hurt us. In our anger, in our anxiety, in our bitterness, we tell ourselves, I don't need them. And in fact, I'm going to be better than they were. But do you see the problem with this? We try to overcome sin with more sin. We try to free ourselves from slavery to sin by continuing to act like a slave to sin. 
But here in this promise, we find the grace we need to remain free from our sins. In this promise, we find God's love for his people in calling them home to a place which he is preparing for them, a world of wonder and delight where he dwells with his people. This tapestry of love which Christ has gone ahead to prepare for his people. You see, in the Ten Commandments, we find two primary motivations for obedience. And these two motivations for obedience are the same ones that we're going to find throughout the Bible for the Christian life. The first was in the preface, which we read in verses 1 and 2. Remember the Lord your God who has freed you from slavery. For the Christian, that means remember the Lord Jesus Christ who has died once for all for your sins to free you from the power of sin over you. And the Christian looks back on that. But here in the fifth commandment, we find the second motivator for obedience. Look forward to the land which your God is giving you. Look forward to the kingdom of God, our heavenly inheritance, where all of those who have confessed Christ have a room waiting for us to dwell with our God. You'll find these two motivations, like I said, throughout the Bible and throughout the scriptures. I want to read from you one passage uh, that summarizes both of these two motivations together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Again, you can flip there. I will read these for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And listen to how Peter works in these two motivations for obedience. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Motivation number one here. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's happened in the past. Remember what Christ has accomplished. And now, motivation number two. To an inheritance, into an inheritance, toward, for an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What is this inheritance? It's the salvation that awaits to be revealed for us. It's the heavenly land which is being prepared for us. It's the kingdom of God which we await to be fulfilled. We look back and we look forward. How do we find the grace to honor our parents, even the ones who have so deeply sinned against us? It requires a shift in our focus, a shift away from, a turning away from the sins of our past and toward faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ in our behalf, who has freed us from the power of our anger and our bitterness. It requires a shift away from a self-made future that is defined by our anger and our bitterness and our resentment and toward faith 
in a future defined by the love of God and living in eternity with him. As we look back and we look forward, we will find our hearts free to obey in the present. Free to honor our fathers and mothers that our days may be long in that heavenly land which our God is giving to us. Let's pray. Deep are the riches of your word. And what may appear at surface to be an easy commandment for us to keep, we realize is so difficult because of the sin that dwells within us. It is so difficult because of the pains that we carry with us. Father, free us from our sins and teach us what it means to have joy in our salvation. A joy that looks forward to that inheritance, that world of love where you dwell in our midst and our tears will be wiped from our eyes and there will be no more pain and we will not carry with us the burdens of anger and bitterness which we just can't seem to get rid of in this life. Lord, forgive us for our sins and teach us more what it means to honor our parents and to honor you as we should. We thank you for your grace to do so. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. And now receive the Lord's blessing. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and honor and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen.